How can this be podcast? I'm back, uh, joined by the jaw rule to my Billy McFarlane, uh, Mike Neal, my uh, my former one of my former players from uh, from Rhode Island College. What's up, man? Good to see you. Uh, what an honor it is to be on this podcast. What an honor it is to be spoken in such high praise. I mean, wow. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. No, dude, you were you were one of the best. Always one of my favorites. I'm happy you could come on, man. And you know, I, I know, uh, I know, I know you got a lot to say uh, about. We'll we'll get right into it. We'll we won't pull any punches. We'll save the small talk for later. The versus battle. Yeah. The other day between yeah. Dipset and the locks. You were there. Yeah. yeah, I was in the building. Uh a strong I want to preface this by saying I'm a strong fan of both teams. I'm a dipset fan and I'm a locks fan. But Tuesday night I was riding specifically with Dipset. I was I went in with the intentions to root against the locks and not celebrate the great music that the locks put out. And about 30 minutes into the battle, not even 30 minutes. 15 minutes into the battle, it was very hard for me to not celebrate the locks. Let me let me let me bring that back. Five minutes into the battle, it was very hard for me not to appreciate the locks. As soon as "fuck you" rang out, it was over. Yeah, it was over. It was over. And I knew it. I was in there, dipset, dipset attire, and I'm looking around the room. As soon as "fuck you" comes on, it's just like, yeah, this is the first record, and the energy in the arena has officially just shifted. And it was crazy prior. Everyone in there is dipset jerseys, dipset attire, not much locks gear or anything like that. So you're looking at it and I'm thinking, all right, like we're in for a good fight. Like the dipset's really thinking like, I'm thinking from looking at the crowd, dipset got this. And as soon as fuck you rang out, all energy shifted and you saw a lot of dipset fans just <sighs> slouch down. <laughs> just immediately, it just sucked the air right out of them. Yeah, and it's crazy because watching it, you could see the, you could almost predict that it was going to happen. When the locks was introduced and the locks came out, it was like, all right, they're here, they're ready. You got Styles running around, Jada's talking like they're ready. Yeah. And then when Dipset was introduced and the music didn't play, nothing happened. Initially, it was like, they're having technical difficulties. And I'm like, all right, this isn't a good sign. Like, just like karma wise. And then they come out and it's Joel's, Jim, Jim Jones, and Freaky Zeke, and there's no camera. And it's like, wait, where the hell is camera? So it's taking them an extra five, 10 minutes to start the battle. And then camera strolls in and it's like, this is not a good sign, bitch. That's not um, as together as we would hope. And it showed throughout the rest of the night that uh, they were on three different pages, four different pages if you count Freaky Zeke. And yeah. yeah, they were all on different pages and it showed. What, like what what happened i know like i know jewels had like it, it, almost an inexcusable meltdown right like just something he said what was yeah. it yeah so uh that was later on in the battle honestly when uh jewels told the uh, the locks that they didn't have any songs for females and that i think that they just making jail music and all of that and it was like okay and then jada kiss proceeded to ring off Honey Bum, Mariah Carey, and four or five other bangers. And it was like, you just woke up uh, a giant that was a sleeping giant. And it's like, you already were in a ditch because Joel's was forgetting lyrics throughout the time. 
He looked bad, honestly. The outfit was terrible. He looked, he, I, I get it. He was trying to go for the nostalgia of like the 03 vibe because that was right, right. the best time and everything, but it was, yeah. it, just, it just came off very bad. It looked bad. Knowing his prior struggles, it just looked bad. And you can see throughout the battle that he was on his own page. Jim Jones is out there and he was just, you know, trying to flash, do all that. But I will say, and the viewers at home may not have saw this, but a lot of people, if they were in the building, will say Jim Jones is set. So when Jim Jones is doing his single songs, when he did Harlem and he did Certified Gangsters and Boiling and all those, place erupted. At home, it may not have looked like Jim Jones had the crowd going or like it was already so far gone that Dipset had lost, but got to give credit to Jones for that, for his contributions, because Cameron was out there fighting. He was getting jumped by himself, and Joel's yeah. had nothing to provide. Freaky Zeke was dancing, and yeah, Cameron was just out there getting jumped by himself. You could tell he didn't want to be there either. So it was just, it was a, it was a disappointing way to see my childhood favorite group uh, get dismantled in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> how how upset were you? Like you were you were pretty pissed on on Instagram, man. Like you didn't want to hear it. You were telling people your phone was broken. <laughs> All because of the lead up to it. I, as a Dipset fan, and with Cam and the 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 energy with it, it's just so braggadocious that as a fan you become braggadocious with it. So right. I'm bragging, I'm posting all the memes, I'm talking my junk, I'm listening to Dipset the whole way up there. I'm arguing with people that Dipset has too many anthems and bangers, and the locks is just gonna play street stuff, and how's it gonna work, and what what single song is Sheik Wooch gonna play, and what songs and styles gonna play? Like, what do they have that can go up against this? And I'm doing all of this arguing with a bunch of people on Instagram, a bunch of people yeah. that I know and love. So when it when it turned around on me and there was nothing I could say and everything I had argued, I argued the hit records. And when some of the hit records didn't ring off and Jada was able to just throw on the Dev Wrong beat and freestyle and do a classic freestyle and shut down Master Artist like. Everything I had, I had to put my foot in my mouth. So yeah, no, I'm still pretty pissed about it. Um, <laughs> it, it I had to pay respect to listen to some locks for the whole uh, following day after. But it 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 goes to show, and I will say, Jada Kiss is the only person. One, he dismantled Fab and Cameron back to back in two different verses battle. So that needs to be understood that Jada is not to be played with. He was like but, retro Jada. Yeah, no, he was out there. MCing it, he was he he was the MC of the show. He was the leading performer. He was the opening act, the closing act. He did it all. He like when you see those memes with him having sixty two at the garden, like nah, he yeah. really had sixty two at the garden. Like it was like watching an artist in their element. And that's why I really say it. it was a battle, but it wasn't a battle. It was like a concert jam session. But it was like Jada was letting everybody know he's the best person in the room the whole time that everyone was there. So yeah. it was really, it, and I'm glad that even if everybody's going to be on the Jada Kiss train for the next five days, like, oh my God, and it's got to be the, the dipset meme train for the next week, Jada's yeah. getting his just due while he's here, which is appreciate, which is the whole point of Versus is for people yeah. to get their just due while they're on stage. I mean, we saw it with X that. It was great for him to get his just due before his untimely passing. So it's like to have these celebrations. And that's what it is. It's a celebration. Yeah, it's a battle. We do want to come up with a winner and loser. This one, we did have a clear winner and a clear loser. 
but sometimes you don't and it's just a celebration for all of what these guys have done over all of these years and i mean this is music that has touched all different facets of people i mean i remember when i first got to when i was in college coach walsh was playing some locks in his car riding yeah. by and i'm like this guy listens to listen to the locks, but it's like everybody listens to the locks. Everybody is touched by Dipset, the locks, like that music. And that's kind of what that that's what Tuesday night was about. What we took from it was absolute slaughter, but that's kind of what it was about. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and how was uh how was Cam? I know you said he he was pretty good. He was the only one that was really out there. I mean he was he was the, he was pretty good and that's pretty good by the stance of how good can you be like how good is the guy that gets 30 when they're blown out by 40 yeah <laughs> like he's good but someone had to put up 30 like the team had yeah. to score more than 40 points someone had to do it so i mean he was yeah. good but you could also tell he was there specifically for uh paycheck um, I mean, he even posted it on Instagram. He, he posted the little uh, picture of him, and he was like, "Swizz, why haven't you posted verses yet?" And he was like, "Me, because you just sent the check." And it's like that just goes to show that Dipset's not on the same page, but they'll get together for for the check and for a bag. Yeah. I mean, they're going on they're going on like a joint tour with the Locks and State Property, so they'll get together when the money's right, but they're not on the same page. So I mean, that'll be interesting to see moving forward. But I mean, Cam. He did his thing, and some of his songs rang out the way I thought they would, and even some of the songs that I, I mean, me being a personal Cam fan, I was in my glory with some of the songs played, but looking around, it didn't have the appreciation that I thought would be general appreciation. And then, like, there's the little instance where Styles and them were saying that they don't have bars, so Cam went to go freestyle, and then the crowd kind of booed him, and it was like, damn, like, this is one of our legends and he's out here trying to freestyle because like in, in the, in a battle manner, not like battle, like face to face, but you know, it's a celebration. He's out here challenging me. I'm going to do it. And for the crowd to do that, it was just like, damn, like the momentum had really already shifted and it was already gone. But overall, I'll say that Cam was the strongest out of the, out of the set. He was the third best uh, person on stage after Jaden Styles. She includes may have said 15 words the whole night. He may have said 15 words the whole night. So, yeah. Freaky Zeke put on a hell of a show, too. His dance moves will always be remembered. <laughs> uh, what uh, I got to ask you, man. What were your thoughts on Jim Jones' leather suit? I've never been a fan of leather. Leather <laughs> pants, none of that. Like, I'm not a fan of leather, the pleather, whatever it is. I'm not a fan of it. Like, the leather workout pants, it just, why would you want to work out in leather? I just don't. It sound it contradicts itself almost. So not yeah. a fan of Jim Jones leather pants. I feel like, but when you're in the certain tax bracket, you can do that. So and Jim's Jim's a flossy dude, so I'll give him that. But I got I you won't see me in some leather pants. No, not not I me. think what like once you make enough money doing something, you can pretty much wear whatever you want, even if you look like an asshole. Oh yeah. I think the goal <laughs> is to look like the bigger asshole the more money you make, like Kanye West, for example, the man's yeah. wearing a stocking cut mask, bubble jackets that are like $10,000. Like he just wants to look like the biggest asshole. But if I was a billionaire, I look like whatever the hell I want to. I'm like, I, I don't know what I, what my appearance would be as a billionaire. If I, cause once you eclipse that, it's like, I have everything I want. Every pair of sneakers I've ever wanted, I have. Every yeah. throwback jersey I've ever wanted, I, I have probably signed by the person that wore it. 
from from Kanye. So it's like, what do you do at that point? You throw a stocking yeah. cap on, a red bubble coat, and you tell people your album's coming out, and then you lie about it. That, yeah, no, I, that, I know what you mean, man. I mean, shit. I, 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 I personally, I won't ever be caught dead in public wearing leather, leather pants, leather jacket. None of that. That's not me. Nah, Much not like leather. yourself, man. <laughs> so, you know, battle in New York, Harlem versus Yonkers at MSG, right? Yes. Was this a better look, like a great look for Yonkers or a bad look for Harlem, in your opinion? Oh, uh, oof. Bad look for Harlem. It's hard for there to be a bad look for Harlem just because I think I, I'm gonna go with the good look for Yonkers in the sense that the the line the limelight is gonna be shined on the locks and it's gonna be shined on them for a long time and they're gonna go down. Like I said, this this verse here showed lyricism over hits. And the only other time I've seen that in the verses was with Jada and Fab. And it's, so Jada's the only person that streets beat singles. Streets beats hits, streets beats everything because I'm that damn good. So with that being said, I think it's a good look for Yonkers because that light is going to be shined on Jada and Styles and even Sheep now. He, he, he gets it because he's with them that they're unfuckwittable. They're untouchable. We know 50 and June are one, never getting back together, and two, not coming out for a versus. So Sheik and them are good. The only person they had to slay was Dipset and they made light work of that. So they're, they're like that top five dead or alive that Jada brags about is more valid now than ever. So I think it's huge for them. And I think Harlem's not, it's not a hit for Harlem in as bad a sense because Harlem's more active in music. You have Dave East right now trying to represent Harlem. And yeah, with, they look, Cam looked good on stage. Yeah. I mean, he was fly, jeweled out. Jim did the thing where he made do put on his chain and did before boiling and all that. So, I mean, Holmes known for the flashiness and all of that. And that's what Dipset went with. They they tried to outflash and they were talking about, yo, what are you wearing? All of this stuff. Like, so I think they were true to their Harlem sense. I mean, even though Joel's look crazy, somebody thought that what he was wearing was fly. So, yeah. I mean, I think they were true to the, what the core of Harlem is, the flyness, the flashiness and all of that. The laid backness. I mean, there was a part where Cam was chilling on the beach chair while Styles was rapping at him, and they can't like kick them. So I mean, that cool laid back demeanor of Harlem. I think Dipset stayed true to that. So I won't give them as big a L as I'll give the the W for Yonkers is bigger than the L it is for Harlem. I'll say that. I, I can dig that. I can get down with that, man. Um, you know, you, you spoke about G-Unit not getting back together. I'm sure fucking Young Buck and Tony Yayo wishes they do, you know? Those dudes yeah, need man. some checks. <laughs> yeah, they, they could definitely use a check. Buck, I, I see more Young Buck in Shade Room and Baller Alert, like, comments for his life and everything he's going through that. I haven't seen him drop a song since uh, Shorty Want to Ride With Me. Yeah. That was, a, that was a great time, by the way, but yeah, it's I very bad for book. I just pulled him up on on uh, on Wikipedia. It looks like he's retired now, Young Buck. I, I or congratulations on your retirement, Young Buck. <laughs> I hope that you put yourself in the retirement, and it wasn't the fans that retired you. But I'm pretty sure it was us, the fans that retired you. 
Yeah, you're probably right. It, it said actually, it says he's still active. He was partial. Uh, I don't. I haven't heard anything he's done in uh, like a decade, maybe. You know, at the bare minimum. <laughs> but yeah, at the bare minimum, exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll 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 move on. Fun matchup, locks and dip set. You get a chance to watch it. Tune in. Um. Let's see. Big uh, big week for your Knicks, MJ. Ooh. Big big week for my Knicks. Uh, oh, strong Knicks representative. Yeah, big week for my Knicks. Uh, I will say, a lot of people. This isn't the off season. A lot of people thought. A lot of people wanted. But I'm happy. If you look at the improvements we made, I'm happy. We did it at a low cost. We didn't get rid of much of anything. We lost Reggie Bullock, which I love Reggie Bullock, but I'll get rid of Reggie Bullock. And we picked up Kemba at a low at a low cost. I know. He might only have one knee, but between him and D. Rose, that's two knees. So we got something there. And uh, Evan Fournier, I was a big Evan Fournier. I like Evan Fournier. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I like him. A lot of people don't. A lot He's of Celtics. Olympics. Great Olympics. Just knock Luca out. Luca had the triple double, but he just knocked Luca out. If he could beat USA, that'd be crazy. But I don't. I don't need that in my life. But I need him <laughs> to have. A, I I do need him to have a good game, so I can talk my shit. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people. Got a group chat. There's a lot of people, Celtics fans, that when he got picked up, they're like, oh, M48 sucks. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, yo, M48 is good. He's just not being properly utilized. And when he got to Boston, he wasn't being properly utilized. I mean, you got two dominant wing scorers in Tatum Brown, and then you got Fournier there. He's also a great playmaker, but he's not playing with the ball in his hands because you got Kemba. So it's like he was just kind of out of position. Odd man out took, and he was probably still averaging like 15 or so when he was there. But you know, Boston fans there. Wishy washy, wishy washy. So they they ushered his ass up out of there, but easy, you got him. bro. Listen, you gotta you gotta know who you're talking to here, bro. Oh, All no, right. I, no, I I, <laughs> I I read the I read the room before I speak. I know who I'm speaking with. But uh, <laughs> no, you're you're right though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, like, and it, a lot of money. I, I mean, I get why people are like, "All right." I mean, I guess four for seventy-eight. I yeah. Mean, shoot. I mean, we got the team option on the last year. Shooting's mm-hmm. at a premium. I mean, you just saw Duncan get five years, ninety. So. Yeah. I'm looking at that, and then I know we were in contention to get Demar, and Demar just got what four years, eighty five, three eighty five, three eighty five, yeah, three eighty five from the Bulls, yeah. So if we're looking at that, and I know what my team needs, we don't need Demar Derozan. We have Demar Derozan Jr. and R.J. Barrett. So why would I, why would I add that? We have terrible floor spacing as it is. So for yeah. what we needed and at the price, I'll take it. Obviously, it's also a tradable asset if something becomes available. I don't think anything will right now, just with the way everything's shaking up. But I like it. We brought back Burks. I like Burks. Brought back Nerlens. Honestly, I could have let Nerlens walk, but that makes me unsure about Mitch's future because you're paying Nerlens 10 mil to be a backup. I don't know about that. When you got Ner- when you got Mitch Robinson right now on his rookie deal, I know yeah. he's fresh off the injury but if he's if so if mitch is a movable asset and us getting uh some floor spacing from our bigs i like one rim protector but i don't need two rim runners we got one already so if we can right. move that into a little bit of floor spacing at the five spot that'd be great but i'm happy with our off season we uh got to stay put kept our core we bought low on kemba which was great i mean if he doesn't pan out we paid him eight mil on a two-year it's deal with a, with an option so i mean if it don't work it don't work but he was the best available option. I was very, I was getting nervous as I'm watching the point guard market so out because yeah. I'm like, all right, Lonzo went off. I'm like, okay, Lonzo was 
someone I really wanted. But when he went to Chicago, I'm like, all right. I know Lowry's not on our books. We're not going after Chris Paul. That put us in that Dennis Schroeder, Spencer Dinwiddie pool. And I'm like, then Dinwiddie goes and I'm like, all right, like, I don't want to end up with Schroeder. Like, I like, I like, I'm, I was, when everyone was killing Schroeder, I was out with Schroeder. But I don't want Schroeder in New York right now with, with how he just performed and how New York is. It just wasn't going to be a good fit. So, right. I'm looking, I'm like, damn, the Colin Sexton stuff, it was talk all before the draft and then it kind of fizzled out. So I'm like, damn, like, I don't know if Sexton's still available. I don't know what they're going to do over in Cleveland. So I'm like, damn, like, how's it going to shake out? So to yeah. see that Kemba got bought out, I'm like, woof. I really, and, I, and I'm a Husky. So like, this is this is like heaven for me. I'm a Husky yeah. fan and I'm a Knicks fan. So it's like, <laughs> I need Kemba in Madison Square Garden brings back the best days of my life. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it brings it brings back. The, he turns the, into a superhero at MSG. Exactly. I mean, he puts he he goes into that locker room, and comes out a different being. So, and I know I'm not gonna get that, but if I can even get shades of the Kemba Walker of the past, I'm cool with it. So, I like how our offseason shook out. We still got a little bit of money. I like our draft picks. Like I like the kid McBride. He's tough at West Virginia. I didn't really get to see a lot of Quentin Grimes, but I went back and watched a lot of stuff after we picked him up. And he's good. He was good. He's, he's good. He's really he's good. good. He had a good he, year for Houston. Yeah, and I always used to shit on I shit on everybody in the American since UConn got out of it. So I wasn't really trying to give Houston any uh, credit, but I went back and looked at him and, nah, boy's a dog. He, he, he definitely got some dog in him. So yeah. hoping it's, I'm hoping that one of them can be our Emmanuel quickly steal of the draft that – or the yeah. Mitchell Robinson steal of the draft because we usually get one of them every time we do something and trade down in the draft. We get that steal. We can't draft for shit when we get high picks, but them low picks we work them out. Yeah, I, I think it's a couple things. One, Kemba, great value for eight million. Even if he's hurt most of the year, like if he misses a bunch of games like he did in Boston last year, that's still like a no-brainer. Yeah. Like the games he's gonna play, like. You still got quickly. You got enough guys. You can handle the ball. Like you're all right if he misses a game because a knee soreness or second night of back to back, what have you. Like if the Celtics had him for eight million bucks, that'd be terrific. Like because yeah. he would have been great playing with like the second unit guys being like kind of that spark plug. But you can't put a guy that's making thirty two million bucks on the second unit. You look like an not asshole. A not a chance. Not a chance. Like it's it's a great move for the Knicks at, at what they got him for. I, I mean I like a lot of what they did. They locked up Randall today, four for one seventeen. That's a big deal. It, it's crazy. Ever since they hired Leon Rose, it's like they've they've become competent. Like James Leon. Dolan fell ass backwards into Leon Rose and here we are. Leon Rose and William Worldwide Wesley, man. That's mm. who we got to give all the credit to. Randall taking that extension now instead of hitting free agency. And he put he yeah. left $60 million on the table between the two years of extra money he could have signed for. So, and he yeah. even said it in this little like post or whatever, like, I want to, I took less to give them flexibility to keep building around us in New York. So, that's having a young stud like that who has that mind state that I, I want to stay here. I'll take less to get guys here to continue to build this. And it just shows that we we were fucking up for a while, but we're, we're starting to, we're starting to take them steps forward and reach competency. 
Yeah. Hey, it's working out. I mean, shit had a good year this year, building on it instead of tearing it down or, or losing a key piece, like brought everybody D Rose is back too. He had a good year. That's like the first time he's had like a really solid year in a long time. I feel like, I mean, am I, I wrong? No, you know, you're not. I think a lot of it is meant is just mental peace. Like I feel like that, that's what was it? It was in Minnesota where he had like the 50 point game where he was playing. Mm. He was like, yo, like, I just I'm happy I can hoop again. Like, yeah. He said it. He was happy he could hoop again. Like he just wanted to play freely again. And I think he went through. I think he was in what Detroit after that. Before we went and grabbed him, it was like yeah. he was playing. He was he was playing well in Detroit, but it was like it was in Detroit. He was playing, losing basketball. He was supposed to be teaching the rookie uh, Killian Hayes. That guy gets hurt. So now D Rose is playing more minutes than he wanted to play, and it's like I just want to be happy. So then he comes to New York and he finds happiness. I mean, he's reunited with Tibbs. He got his buddy Taj there. It's it's comfortable. He's been in New York before. He loves the garden. And I think that peace of mind, that ease, that comfort is something that has helped him a lot and it's just making him play well. It's something that I honestly even noticed with um, my boy Gordon Hayward out in uh, Charlotte. After getting off of that pressure of being hurt and being like you got you signed in Boston, you get hurt. They're trying to come back from it. They you kind of get rushed back. You get thrown into the starting lineup when you probably shouldn't have been starting over Jalen Brown, but it is what it is. You're you're getting paid that money, so you kind of got to start up. It's yeah. not performing at starter level. It's it's very shaky. You're getting the criticism from the media, you're getting criticism from the fans. You're trying to play up to this contract, and then you're approaching a new contract, and it's like. What do I do? All of this. So I feel like he had a lot of weight on the shoulders that whole four years in Boston yeah. due to that initial injury that he could never come back from. It was a situation that Boston had to sever ties with because he could never recover from it in Boston. Boston had to get out of it. I think they should have been able to get a little bit more out of that uh, that acquisition. Uh, you should have tried to do a sign and trade or something, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, you got something out of the exception. I mean, they got yeah. Fournier for a little bit of the time yeah. from that exception. But um, I think once he got to Charlotte and he got to kind of exhale and it's like, yeah, Jordan paid you all that money, but yeah. there's no expectation. You got the rookie in LaMelo. You got a good young supporting cast, but it's like no one knew whether they were going to be a bottom three in the East team or a six, seven, eight seed in the East. And it was when they started to perform well, it was like, wow, yeah, LaMelo was stuck, but Gordon Hayward's playing very comfortable. And yeah, he had the injury issues throughout a uh, little bit towards the end of the season that kind of lingered, but I think he played with a lot more comfort and poise than he was trying to play in Boston. And I think that just goes to say a lot with, with guys in the NBA. Basketball players in general, when you're playing in a comfortable setting, it's different as opposed to dealing with a lot of the outside stress and a lot of the outside bullshit that comes with it. Yeah. No, I you're absolutely right, man. I mean, like Hayward's tenure in Boston was fucked from jump street. I mean, he hurt himself four minutes into his first game and then that was it. And then it's all downhill from there. Cause then he's got all these expectations to come back and be the same guy. And then doesn't fulfill those rusty for a while gets hurt again. Like just can't figure it out and just didn't get, you know, didn't get it figured out. Erica lean. What's up? Said, what's hey, up? Lizzie, what's the word? What's up, man? Looking good. So are you, bro? <laughs> hey, you can't so hear me, you. Kenny. You got you got nah, the headphones. He, he, he can't hear you, but I'm <laughs> transmitting the message. <laughs> oh shit! Hold on, hold on. Um, oh, hold on. Yeah, relay your message. 
What's up, man? Good to see you. Glad you're doing okay. well. Yes, sir. Yo, we're talking about doing well. Congratulations on all the blessings with, uh, you know, your wife, your kid, the dog. You look great, yeah. man. You look happy. Thanks, man. Yeah, okay. so do you. Yeah, no, hey, it's, it's great to see you, man. I'm going to have to get you on one of these with me, too. I'm not as important as this guy yet, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work my way there. <laughs> uh Trump. hey i just Trump. i just got this thing started back up again so give me a couple of weeks i'll get you on all right bro all right say that i got you my man all right man i'll uh right, yeah we'll, we'll i'll text you yes sir all righty all right we'll we'll move right ahead here um you know uh, like i mentioned at the top of the the top of the broadcast i feel like i'm on sports talk radio here top of the pro, top of the podcast here uh i coached mj for a couple years at at rick his his last two i got to ask what was it like being coached by me oh <laughs> uh, please be brutally honest man like i can take it i'm a big boy now oh, no. of course, of course, of course. <laughs> it was a different experience um so coming in I had a, I experienced so much turnover in coaching at Rick. I mean, yeah, I that's was, it. Let's let's go back to that. What was the difference between your first two and your last two years? Uh, structure, structure, trust, structure, trust. Yeah, no, those are the main two things I'll say: the structure and the trust. Uh, yeah, trust with, within the team, trust within the staff, trust in the staff, and trust from the staff on the on the team was definitely different um leaders were different within the uh first two and the last two uh we de i definitely was blessed with great leaders when i first got to work i mean coming off of a team that was hungry that went to the lec championship and got beat actually got pummeled in the lec championship by Eastcon. so they were hungry so to have that team uh returning back losing their two biggest seniors and uh big mike and mace and that having seniors in uh, Tariq Carter and uh, Steve Roberts, my boy school, uh, they shout kind of just took, yeah, shout out to school, man. They took me under their wing and just really guided me. So, and that team was the best team I've ever been a part of. I mean, 28 and four, uh, host the tournament at home, win the tournament at home, host the NCAA tournament, win the first round, uh, lose the second round, but, like great team, great team. Should have should have beat Amherst that year. Could have went to C sixteen, but great team. Got all American and Tariq Carter on that team, and that team really showed me what it's like to be a part of success. Um, I had been a part of like successful teams in prep school and in high school, but never won a championship. So it was like to be a part of a conference championship and be under this winning pedigree where it's expected to be a champion it's not celebrated to be a champion it was almost it was expected the standard was we win the conference we go to the ncaa tournament it's not we make the conference tournament it's not we finish it's we win the conference and go to the tournament every right. year like that was the expectation so and i remember after i remember winning championship the first night and i remember seeing uh big mike mike right from akinrola and i remember telling him like this feeling is amazing. It's like, yo, you can win four of these. And I was like, you know what? I want to win four of these. And that was like my goal. And that was like my drive after winning that first one was like, I want to feel this four times. I want to do this for, I'm trying to go to the tournament four times, cut the net down four times. And yeah. no one's ever, no one in Rick history has ever been to four straight. No one's been to four. 
people have done three. No one's been been to four, won four conference titles. So it was like, I want to be the guy that did it. I want to yeah. be a part of it. Cause and I was the only freshman that sustained. So it was yeah. like I I'm the only guy that had the chance to win for it. So being a part of that was like wow. And then coming back um my sophomore year, lost uh, a lot um in seniors, but picked up uh, my boy Eric Lee, picked up uh, some great other additions of uh, Victor Smith, some great additions to that team, man. That team, we were rocking. I mean, we definitely had a different swagger to us because we coming off of the first championship, you're like, all right, we got a repeat. There's a target back on our back. They know we just lost our All-American. They think we're sweet. Our point guard, our point guard is wide open. They don't know who it is. We didn't know who it was gonna be. So we felt a lot of that pressure. And I mean, there were some games where we didn't perform and we kind of felt that pressure, but we hit our stride at the end of the year. And we repeated. So it was like, did it twice. And this is that idea of success. And it's like, Coach Walsh, we're going to do this again. We're going to do this again. And everything, we're, we're on literally we're at the top of the mountain at this point where I remember running through uh, EastCon after winning the championship at EastCon and me and Chris Burton singing uh, Where the Party At by Jagged Edge. And we're just yelling, uh-oh, uh-oh, like all through yeah. the arena. And it's like, this is, this is, that moment, this is the Kobe and Shaq hugging moment. This is the yeah. Jordan crying with the ball on the locker room floor moment. Like this is the Kobe pull his jersey to the side moment. This is anything is possible for us. So it's like, we're literally at that peak. And then Coach Walsh, uh, then rumors, I mean, there's always talk every off season that Coach Walsh was gonna leave. I mean, you got the best, arguably He's the best really coach. good. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's really, really, really good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> arguably the best coach in division three at the time you can yeah. have that argument i'll have that argument but um so it's like yeah you always hear people there's people in the barbershop telling me my coach is leaving there's people on the street telling me i'm like oh, my coach ain't leaving like people say that everywhere like he ain't leaving we'll know when he's leaving like if he's leaving i don't know he's leaving. he's not leaving people tell me like nah yo i think he's really leaving this year i'm like yeah nah man you see this nah he's not leaving and then it's He's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like wow. All right, like let's uh let's see what happens. So we wait and see what happens, and then we uh we we see what happens. We uh see our who our, our new head coach, and I'm familiar with him. I mean, I had played against him in prep school. Uh, great prep school coach, and played familiar familiar with him. So I'm like, okay, like I I know the name, I know the face. Like I don't know much about him, don't know his history, anything like that. So I'm like, no. And see if he can keep the wheels turning on this thing, because we got a well, we got a well good, we got a real good engine here. We got a well old machine. We all know what to do. We got this embedded in us, because the OGs then pass it down from the OGs, from the OGs, from the OGs. So it's like we know how this rig program is run. We know how open runs go. We know how training goes. We know how all of that goes. We done the older guys that put those banners up, that got those thousand points, that retired them jerseys. They told us, and then they told them, and then they told them, and then they got passed down to me. So I'm telling you that this is how it's been done for years. And that's how, I mean, if you want to keep this thing going, you got to kind of keep that thing going. And from day one, his, his uh, the motive was to not keep that thing going. It yeah. was where this is the new Rick. That old Rick is over. And it was very prominent. It was even uh, unwelcoming for alums. Like a lot of, a lot of those guys that I named that, had graduated and moved on that would come back and like be around the guys 
weren't yeah. really uh, greeted the, the best or welcomed the best. And it was just uh, unsettling to me as a guy who, as a junior now, I'm one of the veterans. I'm taking on a leadership role. I'm a voice amongst the team. And it's different for me to see the guys that I look up to, still do look up to, that set the standard for me of what success is at this program to be shooed away and ushered out because this is my program. And that that kind of just rubbed us the wrong way, not just myself, a lot of my teammates the wrong way. And these are even younger guys who just got there, so they don't know the they don't know the older, but they were recruited by the older. So they they came here for what we've done. They came here for to be a part of what we've done and continue that. They didn't come here for this new regime that is being put upon us. And I think that kind of separated the team. And it took us a very long time to come together as a team to realize, all right, we got to do this for us. This is our career, our team, yeah. and all of that. He's not the guy out on the court. It's us. And it was very, it was, a, it almost became a, a fuck him is what we wanted. It was our, our sign of unity. We would yeah. get, we would get together aside from basketball whether we were lounging, hanging out, going out, whatever the case would be, and that would be what brought us together. With all, it was it's sick to say, but it's true that it was like no, our right. dislike, our dislike, our we could speak on it as well. It was something that brought us close. It was our strong distaste for how everything was going, brought everybody together, and that was our sign of unity. That was what brought us together, and I think that's a bond that everybody from that team can is. Is we're, we're tied together because of that because it was bullshit. Yeah, and it was. everybody, everybody that was a part of it knows it. He knows it. He probably never gonna admit it, but he knows it was bullshit. He knows that he flushed one of the most dominant programs in all of Division Three, not just the Northeast, down the toilet. Yeah. And we're still trying to climb back from that. I say we because I treat I treat that shit like it like it was my home. That was my home. Yeah, everybody there was was family. Yes, family. Eric's family. Everybody's family. So that was home. So. I say yeah. we because that's I'm still there, yeah. and we're still trying to come come back from that. I, they have a couple good seasons, got a new coaching, you know, they're climbing back. And I always follow with an eye. I may not be at the game or whatever, but I'm always gonna f- watch from a distance and make sure they're good. And if they're good, I'm be there supporting. But it's hard to see the what was the stance of success yeah. down the drain. It's even crazy, like on a Rhode Island level in Rhode Island. If you weren't a scholarship player in high school, you went to Rip. If you weren't a scholarship player and you were that damn good, you went to Rip. It was almost known. And now even it's looked at as like, why would I go to Rip? Like kids would rather go to CCRI or go play at some school that they're not, that one, they're getting a shitty financial aid package and they get fucked over in the end. Two, they're probably not going to play at it. It's all bullshit. They're not going to win games. And it's like, the nostalgia of going to Rick and being successful, being the best player in Rhode Island, and if you can't land a scholarship, I'm going to go dominate and be a Hall of Famer at Rick. That shit is gone. And yeah. it's like, it's hurting to see it. Like, I argue with kids now, like, like oh, you played D3, you played at Rick. I'm like, yeah, I played at Rick when Rick was Rick. Rick was the best program in the, in the state of Rhode Island. Let's not forget it. Your ride wasn't shit. PC wasn't shit. Bryant wasn't shit. Rick was the only, state, only team in the state putting up banners. So yeah. it's like, I, and I lived through that at the time. Like, I went yeah. to Tones games as a kid. I went to Big Mike's games as a kid. Like, 
I was there. Like, so it's just kind of disheartening to see the nostalgia behind such a great program kind of go down the drain. It's, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like watching what Jerry, it's like the couple years after the, after the Bulls dynasty. It's like, yeah, you go from the top of dominance to fucking a disaster. A disaster. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and for those for those listening who aren't familiar with Division Three basketball, like I'll I'll lay out a couple of things for you. A couple of the names Mike has mentioned: uh, Mike Akinrola, Tariq Carter. Those guys were all Americans. Like Antone Gray, Chris Burton. Those guys were all region guys. Like like good players. Like dudes that could have got a scholarship for a couple of different reasons didn't end up doing it. You know, I know. I know in Chris Burton's case, because you got that skinny bird chest. Bird, if you listen yeah. to this, I'm still gonna give you shit. Um, but yeah, no, dude, like I like I came to work at, at Rick because of it was like the pinnacle of division three state schools in New England to like work at. Like the gym's a gem. Like it, it's a it's a great location. Campus is great. You can get like dudes to go there it was, the, it was it was it was a hotbed it was like yeah every every city kid could relate to it because providence it, it was it was almost per, it was perfect you have providence where you get all of these talented city kids from providence or shit in this case all of rhode island because big mike's from Osaka, mace was from newport tones from prov but like we we all, all our best guys are from all over Rhode Island, so you get the hotbed of Rhode Island of unsung talent that gets overshadowed nationally, which is cool because we clean up where we clean up. Yeah. Then you get the Boston guys. You get all of those, all even those little pockets of Mass that aren't Boston. Those little pockets of southeastern Mass or northeastern Mass. So those quiet corners. Then you get the the city kids from Connecticut. We always had like our, yeah. the way if you look at a Rick Roster, it was the five Providence kids, five Rhode Island guys. It was a couple of Massachusetts guys. It was the three or four New Yorkers, and then a couple of CT guys, and that was it. And yeah. that was, and that was like a perfect blend of everything because you get a little bit of grit from over here, a little bit of grit from over here. You get this chippiness from Rhode Island for not being noticed. You get a little bit of, and you put it all together. And who who doesn't want to come? Because a New York City kid can relate to it because it still feels like a city, but it feels like the city away from the city because every New Yorker right. wants to get the fuck out of New York, yes. and Rhode Island was perfect for that. Connecticut. A lot of Connecticut got there's not shit to do in Connecticut. Shout out to anybody in Connecticut, but there's not shit to do there. They no, you're right. Problem. I lived in Connecticut for a couple of years after Rick. There's nothing to do there. Not it's just a highway there. between Boston and New York. That's it. Foxwoods, Mohegan, and an easy way to get to New York. That's all. That's it. it. And, and the Hudson. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all Connecticut is. So them guys want to get the fuck out of Connecticut too. Providence is perfect for that. Boston guys. Boston people hate Boston. They love Providence. Providence people hate Providence. They love Boston. Match yep. made in heaven. Bring your Boston ass down to Providence. <laughs> and boy, you can recruit any kid to Rick. You can recruit yeah. the prep school kid that thought he was really good, but realized he wasn't that great, but he was still pretty damn good, but he probably shouldn't have went prep. He probably should have just went to college. Get his ass to Rick. He's going to have a hell of a career. Like It was perfect. That guy that should have been a scholarship guy that got into something that fizzled out and now he's looking for a spot to land. Yeah. Dominate. Like it, it was just, it was, it was a match. It was a recruiter's dream almost. Yeah. Like if I could imagine being a coach during the pinnacle of Rick and saying, Hey, 
why don't you come to Rick? Look at all the shiny things we have. Look what we've done. Look at our band. It's like, it's almost like, how do you not come? So it's like, yeah. I can imagine taking the job and being like, this is this is heaven. Like, I have everything at my disposal almost. Yeah. Like, I, I showed up there because I, I was at Plymouth State two years before, same league. So I was very familiar. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I just all of a sudden became an assistant at the top division three state school in in new england like i was like what the fuck like i was like i'm i'm going places and now i'm not even coaching hoops anymore and (laughs) whose fault is that i wonder um yeah and like i could tell like i showed up and uh, like you know how you hear stories you're like oh i knew immediately this wasn't gonna go well i knew immediately like when i say immediately i hadn't lived in the state of rhode island for 12 hours and i knew it was not gonna go well after after my uh my introductory dinner which i'll dig into at a later date here when i have uh have a little more time that i'm not i'm not stealing from you mj but make sure i'm back for that one too make yeah. sure i'm back for that episode <laughs> i need to be back here for that one We'll, we'll have a we'll have a whole reunion show. We'll oh, bring Trip back. We'll bring Roosevelt back. He won't say anything. He'll just sit quietly on the other end. We'll get Eric in. Uh, but like year one, like we got to the my my first year, we got to the the conference final. So I was like, all right, like at least we you know we won a bunch of games. It sucks we didn't fucking win the conference title. And then the next year was just a goddamn disaster. And what happened that next year was not basketball. No, I, I could, I I always talk with, uh, I always talk with people about it. I always tell them it was like, I was walking around working in my own casket for a year. You know, it was like, this is where my coaching career is going to die right now. And I, I didn't, I, I, you saw it. I was so unhappy with how things were being run and, and I was the one who was getting blamed for it by, not, yes. by old bud in the big chair there. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't very, uh, very happy with that. So um, I, I took the first fucking lifeline. Somebody threw me to get the hell out of there and took a, a stipend job at, a, at post in, in Connecticut. And I, I called him from a paw socks game and said, Hey man, uh, I interviewed and accepted a job in Connecticut. I'm leaving. Good luck. <laughs> See ya. Hey, that's more than he deserves. So yeah, no, I I, I did it purposely mid paw socks game, so I would only be on the phone for twenty to thirty seconds. Then I could just hang up and move on with my life. So that's kind of that's kind of where that went for for me. And it was it was just awful to be involved with uh, your think, your senior year, my second year there, man. It yeah, was, and the, the thing about the crazy thing about like my, for me with that year was that was obviously the year I was wasn't um, able to play due to health reasons and it's yeah. like I was doing everything in my in my will to try to get back on the court and it's like ment- realistically I knew that we weren't going to fizzle to be not even not even close to what I wanted us to be or thought what I wanted to be because we had already lost that third at my junior year so I knew I wasn't getting my three feet on my four feet but it was like I I can't let the ship go down like this. And yeah, I was literally trying to get medical clearance from anybody to get me back yeah. on that court to not let the ship go down like this. And looking back at it, I'm like, I went crazy over this shit. And 
why am I trying to steer the ship right? I'm not driving it. He's driving it. He's not yeah. trying to steer the ship right. Like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah, me being a me being a presence on the court would have helped and everything like that. But yeah, it was, it was so far gone. It was it was, it was out so of all our hands. hands. Yeah, it was it, out of our hands in the fall of my of my junior year when uh yeah. got blamed for the party that we weren't at. So yeah, that was bizarre. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole I mean, thing was bizarre, man. Yeah, no. Nah, so from there. Everything was, uh, we. it was just, it was like a car accident. It was like a pileup. It just keeps, cars just keep hitting it, hitting it. Hitting yeah. it. it was like, damn, get get the, hit, take the exit before you get to this. Like, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't hit this shit. Yeah, it, it was, it was bad, man. And I, I don't wish it on, on anybody. Uh, <laughs> that's the deal with that, you know, a, a dude like that and, and shit. Like, like I was going to, I was going to the bar and running into Big Mike and like profusely apologizing to him for the state of what happened. And he would always look at me. He goes, Hey man, I know it ain't your fault. <laughs> like, yeah, so people it, knew people knew, but yeah, but it feels like anyone that was a part of it, you felt like it was your fault. You felt like you were doing a disservice to the greatness before you and it's like you didn't you didn't you you know what you signed up for when you got here you signed up for the expectations of greatness you didn't sign up for a losing program you signed up for dominance you signed up for greatness so to be a part of it, it was like yeah no i had long conversations that year with Tariq and school it's like yo it's like i i don't know what to do it's like i don't know what to say like everything you said to me i would react i reacted different than how the team's reacting and how he's reacting it's like it's just not, it's not the same. It's like, I can't, Yeah. you can everything by that time, everything that we had already put in, in set in stone for my first two years and what I tried to carry over by that junior year was gone that senior year. Cause even like Trib, Trib didn't play that year. So it's like Trib was the last little remnants of what I had left there. So it was like, that was, I was like, yeah, it was like, shout out to everybody else on that team, but that team was doomed. Yeah. No, yeah, it, like I, I remember it was uh, it was the hardest to tell like you guys I was leaving, you know, like especially Trib because he was coming back and he was you know the the senior like he was the guy, yeah. and he was like he t like immediately texted me back. He was like, "Yo, if you ain't coming back, I'm not coming back," and that was that was it. He never played another minute for Rick, and yeah. shame, you know. It's like, yeah, and it's like it's a shame that that was the state of the of the program at that point where we were more loyal and tied into our assistant coaches than we were our head coaches and it's like yeah I know assistants are the ones that make those relationships and build those relationships and then you guys are there with us in the weight room and stuff like that but it's like end of the day I know I, I don't know anyone that came to the school specifically yeah the assistant got you there but you came because of the nostalgia of the program and everything like that so for guys to be leaving the program because our assistants leaving not because over the head coach or nothing like that it just goes to show the impact the relationship and the current state of where everything was at and it was just like fuck this i'd rather yeah. i'd rather just get my degree and get the fuck out of here because i know you don't care about it so yeah that's what it turned into and it's it's a shame man but you know hopefully uh hopefully coach glenn's got it on the uh you know on the up and up obviously this year was you know reasonably non-existent with with COVID yeah. and whatnot yeah. but you know going forward I'm sure 
some more things will get sort of fleshed out. It'll be more of a season and, you know, able to build a program up from there. Cause that's, yeah, they were looking good last tough. time. They were really up and running. They were looking good. So I got, yeah. I got high hopes on them. I, I look to see them back uh, dominating the LEC very soon. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, you know, that I know that was cathartic for the both of us, uh, MJ, Ooh, you know, went through some dark, brought back some dark times, but also brought back a lot of good times. Just think yeah. about the best way. No, a lot of, a lot of, yeah. a lot of times, man, a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so I, I got a couple of, a uh, couple more things for you and then I'll, I'll let you run here, man. Um, so we, uh, I started doing this uh, thing when I have guests on, we're, we're calling it draft day. So right. each time I have a guest on, uh, I, I like to do a, a draft of pick a, a random subject and you draft a basketball team of guys you think, you know, can play or, or in this case, I know we decided on, on play a combination of playing and, and rap skills. So we went with our, our five men, uh, rap hoop team. So yeah, rap hoop team specifically based on their rapping ability, not anything yeah. saying that these guys, this is who I would want to hoop with. Cause yeah. I don't think I really want to hoop with many of these guys on my list, but based yeah. on their skills, uh, I know I'm gonna give an explanation as to why I yeah absolutely and put them in their position. So uh, yeah, no, this is gonna be fun. Yeah. All right. So uh, MJ, I, I'm since since I'm the host, I'm the home team here. I'm gonna give you the first pick. All right. So you're so up, I'm, man. I'm gonna go first pick. I'm pick. I'm pick, taking small forward Sean Carter, the great Jay Z. Ooh. And why do I put Jay-Z at my small forward? Because I feel like now the small forward position is uh, the most versatile. You do a little bit of everything. You can score three-way score. You score at all, all positions, facilitate, handle the ball, play D, all of that. I feel like that's what Jay-Z is as a rapper. He played, he's one of the best people as a guest feature. He's the greatest rapper alive. He's the greatest rapper of all time. Don't argue with me, argue with your mother. <laughs> um, he could kill you lyrically he can make hits he got beyonce uh did i say he has beyonce yeah he's a yeah, yeah that's a that's a big deal <laughs> he's a billionaire wait wait he's a billionaire and kanye's a billionaire he did that and rihanna's a billionaire and jay-z did that too so yeah yeah uh jay i'm taking jay-z at my small forward because he can kind of do it all jay-z's he's lebron jay-z is He's, he's, he's that small forward position. Yeah. I, hey, I like it. That's a great first pick, man. Yeah, um, I had to go. I had to take him. So I, 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 I'm going to go with my, uh, my, my point guard first. I need to okay. do that can facilitate, that can, that can work in a couple different genres okay. of, of hip-hop, of rap music. And I want a guy that I, I know can actually play a little bit. You know, he's got okay. some shit to him. So – I am going to go with one of the Southern's finest, Mr. Andre Benjamin. Ooh. Like that? Ooh. <laughs> ah. Things got, I got a little hot in here. <laughs> Ooh. No, I, like, I, I think, I don't think he gets enough love for how good he is because i don't think southern rap gets as much love as it should doesn't i mean it's a shame it is 
because outcast is one of the greats uh, and everybody knows who they are but like when you talk like the the greats of the greats like you know you're, you talk like jay-z you talk tupac and, and biggie and shit like that like i mean i don't think andre benjamin's on that level but he's up there like he's at least in the in the same kind of like a little bit below but yeah. generally like kind of the same yeah. stratosphere exactly you know it's crazy I've been known amongst a lot of circles to have hot take on Andre Benjamin because oh, I, always, I, I always pose the question because whenever you see rappers, they always have Andre in their top five. Like every rapper has it, every like hip hop head, like Questlove and all that. And they all got Andre in their top five. And I'm like, my question is always, how can you be in people's top five without a solo album? Mm. That's Ooh. always my question. It's like Andre doesn't have a solo album. I guess you can count the speaker box love below like because that was like kind of each of their like solo double album but there's no andre 3000 solo album and it's like what andre song can you pinpoint that is so top five worthy or what andre verse can you pinpoint that's top five worthy? and it's never the shit on andre 3000 i love outcast yeah for the record like huge outcast fan love andre love big boy like both of them are super underrated but it's just for I never understand why so many people in hip hop hold Andre to that certain standard and that like that top five echelon. That top five is very hard to come by. When you talk top five, it can be rapping ability, it can be career, it can be a lot of different things, but I don't know what it really all encompasses. So it's like, how is Andre there? Respect to Andre, but I always pose that question to people. So. It's great that you picked Andre with your first pick because I'm glad yeah. the respect is still being reciprocated to Andre because I do love Andre and respect Andre. But, woof, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to like combat that. that. Yeah, especially with I your, like that. Yeah. So you're, so I'm going to have to rebuttal and go to the, the point guard position as well. And like you said, you want somebody that can facilitate and do a lot in different genres. I want someone that can facilitate kind of do it a little flashy because I like a little flash but also put everybody around them on so I'm going with uh Cameron from the Diplomats at point guard also a hooper in his past time but I'm going with Cameron from the Diplomats at point guard because Cam made sure that Joel's got on Cam made sure that Jim got on so he facilitated and put them all on and Cam has that flashy braggadociousness that I would want from my point guard I want a point guard that's gonna laugh in your face when he goes by you. I want a little point guard that's gonna talk some shit and mm. tell him that tell him that your shoes is whack while he's at the free throw line. Like and that's what I envision Cam doing on the court for me. So I gotta go with killer Cam from the dip diplomats at point guard. I like that. That's a good pick, man. Um strong first two out of the gate for you, bro. Heavy new heavy New York already with uh Cam and Jay, but yeah. yeah. No that uh, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna have to to uh, I'm gonna see your your two. I'm gonna go with my uh my my four man here, okay. and I need somebody who's who's not afraid of a scrap. Mm. All right, whether that be on the mic or on the floor, I need somebody who can actually play a little bit. I need some some toughness, and uh, for that I, I picked a guy who who actually plays in some Drew League games. Okay, I think I know where you're going with this one. Compton's finest, the okay. game. The West Side. Yeah. Okay. I went Ooh. West Coast here. West MJ. Coast game. Yeah. Woof. Game. Mm. One of my one of my early favorite rappers growing up. I mean, 
game another person I feel like does not get the respect or the just do that he deserves. Game put out back to back masterpieces when he first came out with uh documentary and doctor's advocate. So it's like people got put and you could say 50 was all over the documentary. You could say that there's a bunch of uh Dr. Dre beats, you could say whatever you want. Mm. The game put out a masterpiece. Game got a classic under his belt. A lot of people don't have a classic under their belt. Game has a certified classic under his belt. Yeah. You don't look at that June. You you go back and play Junior's top song, hate it or love it's in there. You need game. This is mm. how we do is in there. You need game. Like, yeah. Nah. Game, you need game. And game has a longevity. Game game puts out projects today and they they go. They may not have the big single or nothing like that, but game is a spitter. Game can rap and then you don't want beef with game. I mean, come on, game on game on the mic and, and beef is 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 murder. Three hundred bars. You saw what he was doing to Fifty. You saw what he did to Joe Budden. You saw what he did to a lot of guys. So it's like mm. you don't really, and you don't want to get into a fight with the game. I I don't want to get into a fight with the games. You don't want to get into a fight with the game. I don't think anyone listening no. at home wants to get in a fight with the game. So yeah, no, that's a very strong pick at your four. Hell yeah. I, I like this. I'll I'll read my guys out, and I like you breaking them down, man. I'm all in on this idea. Yeah, I like uh, this. So, all right. So, third pick now for you, uh, MJ. What do we I, got? Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going for a big man, but I'm going for my five man, and I'm going with somebody. So I need some versatility. So I got someone that's gonna space it, uh, facilitate. I got a do it all guy. I'm going with some versatility. So I'm going with someone that also has longevity. I'm talking to someone that's dominated the game for 30 years. I'm talking to someone that is international and globally known. I think this person is probably the most popular rapper on the planet. I say that with confidence. That's also a conversation that I feel like you should have with somebody one day who is mm. the most popular rapper on earth. Mm. I think it's this man I'm about to name from Long Beach, the big homie, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he might be the most famous rapper of all time. I think he's also the only person that has spent multiple nights chilling with Suge Knight and multiple nights chilling with Martha Stewart. I don't think anyone else has done that. <laughs> I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you can find anyone else that has spent multiple nights with Suge Knight and multiple nights with Martha Stewart, I don't know what I will give you, but I owe you. The middle what of that Venn it? diagram is only Snoop Dogg. That's it's it. Only Snoop Dogg. If Nobody else. else. If there's someone else, please, if you're listening at home, hit me on Instagram, the real Mike Neal, and let me know that this person was seen hanging with Snoop a lot. I mean, hanging with Sugar a lot and Martha Stewart. And I, I don't know. I'll cash at you or something. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anyone else got that versatility. He's he's a big dude too. Snoop is like oh yeah yeah. Snoop got some size too, so I think he could, I think he would be a good stretch five. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I went to uh, I went and saw him and and slightly stupid on the Blazed and Confused tour between my uh, freshman and sophomore years of college, mm. and I, I ended up getting backstage passes to the to the to the concert when we got there, and there was a part like a, a sponsored vodka like promotional party afterwards, and he was out there walking around. I had to Google. I Googled it. See how tall it, it listed him as. It, it lists him at six four. There's no way he was an inch shorter than six seven. Like he's a big dude. Yeah, I could. He looks. I mean, he's so skinny. He looks so long. But yeah, yeah, he, he looks like a big dude. He walked by me. and He was like towering over me. 
uh, like he was surrounded by all his like his people so i like i couldn't yeah. be like hey snoop like you mind if i get a picture with it he was like you yeah. know back to the bus you know got the clouds rolling out yeah, about the say. windows we'll he's say, got better probably, things to do we'll say, there's probably a cloud following him <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh that's a good pick man i, I like that um I'll, I'll go with my my center uh next and uh similar to to snoop dog uh you know, his hate, like his heyday, Snoop Dogg's still in his heyday, but this, this guy's heyday was, was in the nineties. And, okay. you know, he's, he's very famous, has very athletic children. And he actually played in a couple NBA preseason games mm. with the Hornets and the Raptors. Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh. I'm going with Percy Miller, Master P. Make him say, my uh, five man. The nine, the nine. Yeah, Percy so, Miller. Another I mean, person shit. that another person who, if you do a Venn diagram about the things Percy Miller has accomplished, no one on earth has ever done it. I always say Percy Miller is the first black superhero. Mm. Percy Miller, independent record label, signed a bunch of people, millionaire, multi-millionaire in the rap game. Went over, played played in the NBA. Man had a sports agency, signed Ricky Williams. Man had his own clothing line and sneakers. Athletic ass children. Son was a he. He's black Superman. He literally did that. He he rapped. He played ball. He had his own clothing line. Is that not the prototypical three black things that we all want to do? We all <laughs> we want to rap. We want to hoop, and we want our own shoe. He's black Superman. No, I see black Superman. He can't do nothing wrong. He black Superman. He did it all. I he love it. it. Yeah, no, nah, yeah. Master P, I'll never, anyone I want to talk bad about Master P as an MC or whatever like that, I don't care. Master P, make him say, um, uh, nah, nah, mm. nah. That's what I say to that. <laughs> yeah. And and, le- and lest we forget, he also uh, w- was trying to kill Nicolas Cage and gone in 60 seconds for a little bit there. So very, very slept on cameo. <laughs> yeah. Very slept on cameo. A lot of people don't remember that, but wow. I, I, I like to consider myself a gone in 60 seconds savant, MJ. Yeah, so you I'm... busted my head with that one. I kind of forgot about that. I was like, wait, <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. So all right, man. You're you're up. Uh pick number four here. We just got two picks left. Where are we going? Pick number four. I'm gonna go to my four man. And similar to you, I want someone that could uh, muscle me up. I feel like uh, since I'm a big Knicks fan, I figured I would kind of mock the Knicks style right here. We got a we got a bully at our four man in Julius Randle. So I want a bully at my four man. I'm going with no one more than the Broad Street bully, Beanie Siegel. Oh, a deep I- cut. A deep cut. No one thinking that Beanie Siegel would make the team, but I, I need Beanie. I, I literally call Julius Randle Beanie Siegel every time I watch the Knicks play because I just feel like he listens to Beanie Siegel before he plays and he's just, rah, just running through everybody, spin move, fadeaway jump shot that you probably shouldn't take, but he hits it. And I feel like that's hmm. who Beanie Siegel would be for me. So I feel like Beanie going to be out there lane ruling people, checking dudes. He going to use all of his fouls. He, he got, Beanie Siegel got Mike Neal elbows. Anybody that's hmm. ever played with me or against me knows what that means, so. Beanie yeah. Siegel, Beanie Siegel going to probably average 15 rebounds on my team with one shot at time. I love it. Uh, Beanie Siegel, baby. I, I dig it, man. Um, so my, my, my fourth pick, 
I went into this. I wasn't sure what to do with this with this position, so I, I didn't I didn't conform to the normal, uh, you know, two and three. I'm just going three guards. I, mm-hmm. I like to play small. I like guys that can shoot, and I I went out there thinking, I think I need a weird white guy to make the chemistry kind of work. You know, the team needs that weird white boy. He, he always makes the chemistry on the team okay. Like you you got it needs to be a little bit of a wild card not afraid of a, a little, a little scrap will step in and, and protect one of the, one of the more marquee guys on the, need, on the squad. Need that uh, and, and he's a guy that's going to stretch the floor. Uh, I think I picked the weirdest one of all. MJ, I went with Lil Dicky here. Yo, nah, that's not weird to me. Yo, I love Lil Dicky. I watch Dave every, every week, man. Mm. I love Lil Dicky. So nah, I love, I love me from, uh, from Dave, man. So yeah, nah, I rock with Lil Dicky and, uh, Honestly, it's crazy. I, I haven't gotten into really digging into his like catalog, but just his personality alone is something that I could gravitate to. So I gotta give him some streams. Mm, so yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big little dicky guy. I feel like the energy that he would bring, he would de- he he's that guy that when you down six with two to go and your your star player is really down bad right now, he probably just missed like the last two shots. Little dicky gonna come over and say some bullshit to him that's gonna get him going. Yeah. Like, and yeah. you need that. And like, and you can't predict that. Nobody else on my roster is going to say that. Beanie Seagull's not going to come over and say some funny shit that's going to get me going. He's probably going to punch <laughs> me. So, nah, you need a little dicky. Honestly, I'm, I messed up. I didn't add the, I didn't add the white boy on my team that's going to keep keep everything together. That's going to weather the storm when everybody's chopping at each other. So, I think you might have me here. <laughs> Oh, wow. I have me here. We'll have to we'll have to put it up to a vote on uh on on Instagram and, and Twitter uh you know when when we post the episode, man. Yeah, I feel um, like the chemistry on this team, they might uh your, your team might have more chemistry going. I see a lot of uh internal warfare on my team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, you got you got East Coast guys, you got West Coast guys. They're gonna be going at each other's throats. <laughs> I got Jay and Cam. They already don't really like each other. I don't know where Jay Z and Beanie Siegel stand. It, it, it's kind of freaky over here. And I'm gonna add the final piece to the puzzle and make it a make it a whole shit show. Make it a whole party. All right, my man at my two guard. I so when I go to the two guard, I'm thinking what what shootings at a premium. We talked about it earlier. Shooting's at a premium. Duncan Robinson just cashed out. Fournier just cashed out. Shooting's at a premium. So I'm thinking, my two guard, I need someone that can shoot it. So I'm like, oh, I don't need like a shooter shooter. I need someone that's gonna hit. I don't want you shooting miss. I need someone with hits. So I'm thinking, who just got, can reel off the hits? And mm. People don't really think about my, I want an unsung hit, someone with hits. So I'm like, damn, where can I find this person? So I called up. Dave Chappelle, and I'm like, yo, Dave, where is Jop? <laughs> I need Jop. I need Jop. So uh, Ja Rule is at my two guard because he got <laughs> nothing but hit. Where would I be without you, Ja? Where would I be without you, Ja? What do I do? Every day we're living uh, it up with you, Ja. So Ja's at my two guard. I know Chris Burton got a tie to Ja Rule. He goes golfing with him. So Chris, Get John on the phone and tell him I need him to get this five on five all together. And I need Jaw to hit some shots for me at the two guard. Cause Jaw got nothing but hits. Nobody wants to see John in the verses. Jaw got mad hits. I don't care what Jaw rule thinks at a time like this. I'm scared <laughs> to death. Help me, Jaw. 
Oh my God. Meeting job. Where is job? Oh my God. No, that's a great one, man. I, I like that. And I also really appreciated that you were able to, to use his song titles in sentences saying why you needed him on your team. So that, yeah. you know, I'm a man yeah. who appreciates that type of artistry, MJ. I, it, I must it's say. The little, it's the little things, man. I did that for the viewers that really know. If you know, you know, man. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm going with my two guard last. And I saved this one for last just because I didn't think I could get any better than this. Um, the OG, a legend of hip hop. Many would say, when he came along, he changed the game forever. Oh. Do you know where I'm going with this one? He's the artist that many that came after him have been measured against. Oof. Oof, I have an idea. It's real more for me. I went with Rakim. Ah, the God MC himself. The real no. God MC. I know it called Hove the God MC earlier, but. No disrespect to Rock, no disrespect to Hov. Rock him is really the God MC. He, I, uh, I, I was reading, uh, I don't know if you're a Shea Serrano guy or not, MJ. I love Shea Serrano. I hope Shea Serrano hears this. I, I got all your books. I'm waiting for that hip hop and other things book to drop. I got it pre-ordered. I love you, Me Shea. too. I already got it pre-ordered. Yeah. <laughs> I love I, you, Shay. <laughs> I went I went on a, a little little vacation with my uh, my wife a couple of years ago. I read the entire rap yearbook on mm. uh, a beach in Agunquit, Maine. And you could tell there was just a titanic shift in the genre when Eric B. and Rakim came about. And it was it because was of Rakim. It was different. Those first like, couple of joints, they were, it was Africa Bambada and all of that. It, it, it was a different time. They was talking about different things when when Rakim came out, it you got what you're saying. That's what it was. It wasn't what we're doing or every like the message was cool. Grandmaster Flash, the message was great. Like yeah. that was the first one where someone was really saying something. But then when yeah. Rakim came out, it wasn't just to make you dance or something that you could play at a party. Like, yeah, this shit is hard. Like paid in full is hard, but mm. you gotta listen, you gotta listen to what he's saying. Like, I ain't like you gotta listen to what he's saying. Like, really listen to what he's saying. He's he's talking to you and like. That's a measuring tool that when you're really talking about the artistry of lyricism and everything, he is the pinnacle. And I love Sean Carter. I like people talk black dog, people talk whole, people talk like, but it's like the everything gotta be measured up against Rakim. It's crazy. Uh Rakim actually just announced the show at the Strand in Providence. I was just telling my sister about it. I'm like, you should definitely go because my sister's a big Rakim fan. I'm like, yo, like. That's that's rock. That's that's God MC right there in the backyard. So it's like just ironic that you picked Rock Him and I just saw Rock Him on Instagram earlier. But yeah, no, Rock Him is the measuring. It's the, it's the measuring stick, and it's one of those things that you can measure it. The only way you're gonna try to say and topple him is when you go into the well. Jay Z's career was longer. Jay Z's career is bigger, or anyone like that. But it's like you're talking changing the game from a very crazy period where it was one sound at the very beginning, the only sound, and then Kim brought it to where it is now. You 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 can't compare it. There's a lot of people that, and there's only few people that have changed rap. Like when 50 dropped, rap changed. Like certain mm -hmm. people changed rap, and but 50 dropped, 50 changed the rap, and Rakim changed the rap ain't the same. Because Rakim changed that such a period where 
rap wasn't rap yet. Rap wasn't rap yet. Rap wasn't the accepted genre. It wasn't mainstream. It wasn't the popular genre. It wasn't what you would hear on the mixed radio station. You had to go to an underground hip hop station. You had to know a DJ that knows a DJ that's spending out of time to hear that music then. So it's like, for Rakim to do what Rakim did at that time, can't argue. Yeah, man. I think we both got good teams, man. I think we yeah, both nah, we both hellers. drafted really strong. Yeah, I think we both went strong. I think the clash of styles would definitely be good. I just realized I got four New Yorkers on my no three, three, a Philly dude and a and a West Coast dude. So it's not <laughs> I, I thought it was uh heavy New York. I forgot Beans was from Philly. Yeah. Well, we're we're gonna put it up to a vote on uh, on Instagram. We'll see who uh see who wins. And uh, you know, if uh whoever wins, I'll uh I'll see if I can make it down to that that show at the Strand, and we can go to we can go to see Rock Him because I've been itching for a, an excuse to make it down to Providence. So yeah, hopefully um, we can get Ja Rule there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, Bert, if you're listening to this, you know, hook us up. All right, bring it, bring Ja Rule on our podcast. I'll even give you a guest spot. All right, tell Ja we'll go go we'll go golfer. I'll tell him what my handicap is if he gets on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Ja, Chris? Get him on. Let's go. Where is Ja? I need help. <laughs> um, so I got one more thing for you, and it's it's the last thing here, MJ, and then I'll, I'll let you run. So I got I got a six pack of questions for you. I call this my 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 Thursday six pack. Right. So number one, uh, obviously we spoke about it earlier. You're a big Knicks guy. As some of you listening to this may be familiar with, Mike Breen is ESPN's lead play-by-play guy for the national broadcast. He also happens to be the play-by-play guy for the Knicks. So, MJ, I want to ask you, who is the worst Nick to ever get a bang from Mike Breen? In my lifetime or ever? Whoever you want to come up with. If it's your uh, lifetime, then go with your Nick, lifetime. I'm going I'm going through some of my dark days of uh Nick though. Uh it's crazy because some of the people I want to say, you're gonna say, damn, they weren't that bad. But when I was watching you on the Knicks, he was pretty fucking bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> so like the first name that came to mind was uh Andre Bargnani. And they're like, wait, Andre Bargnani, he was the number one pick, right? Yeah, he fucking sucked in New York. Let's not forget, oh, and we traded him for a first-round pick. I don't know who it panned out to be because I really didn't want to know who the fuck it turned out to be, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was someone that helped the Raptors win that title. But, so, Bargnani was the first name that comes to mind, but I know he's probably not the worst because I could think about, like, some real bad dudes, like, fucking, oh, man, those, those, those mid-2000s Knicks teams were fucking atrocious. <laughs> and it was like that, and that's crazy. That's what I wasn't a. I, I'm not even gonna lie. I became a Knicks fan when Melo got there. I was a huge Melo guy. I'm a Melo and T-Mac guy. So once Melo got to New York, something about New York made me stay a Knicks fan. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it was that kept me a Knicks fan. But I'm a Knicks fan, <laughs> so I can't really. I'm not gonna act like I was watching Stephon on the Knicks or I was watching that. Like I wasn't. So I'm not even gonna try to front about that. So like from the Melo forward Knicks days. The worst Nick that probably got one. Damn, there's some, there's some like Lou Munson got a bang. I remember because he, oh. he 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 caught a body on somebody. Like there was some bad. Like the Cole Aldrich Knicks was bad. Like 
Cole Aldridge was our starting five. We was running Langston Galloway out there with it. Langston Galloway was getting fake money off of people. He was getting contract. <laughs> he was getting contracts off of fake performances on the Knicks. Like, I hope you don't hear this, Langston Galloway, because I'm pretty sure you're still in the league, but you fucking fucked in New York too. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, every point guard that was in New York for the last five years that's not named Derrick Rose, you fucking sucked. Jose Calderon, you sucked. <laughs> I gotta think like like Marty Collins got yeah, one, like, or Ronaldo yeah. Balkman got Balkman, one, or something like Balkman, that. Yeah, Chris oh, Copeland. Yeah. Man, we're talking about some bad players right now. Yeah, some bad players. <laughs> I mean, some somebody would say my, you know, Steve Novak. Somebody would say, but you know how much I love that man. Steve Novak led the league in fucking three point percentage with the New York Knicks. Steve Novak. You're a legend in my heart. I speaking of speaking of your your boy Steve Novak, I pulled up the Barnyani trade. So we we traded away Novak in that trade. Steve Novak, <laughs> Marcus Camby, Q Rich, uh 2014 second rounder who became uh Xavier Thames, didn't amount okay. to anything. 2016 first rounder, which you are correct, this did end up helping the Raptors win the title. Inadvertently, Jakob Pertle, who helped them get Kawhi. Yes, it was it was the trade piece that got helped them in the Kawhi trade. Yep, and yeah. uh, 2017 second rounder Jonah Bolden. So the only one of note there is is Pertle and Total and Steve Novak and Steve Novak. Yeah, <laughs> and Novak. So but yeah, Marcus uh, Camby had no knees or cartilage by that point. I, I think rich. he was just a contract. I don't even think yeah. he was like playing games. Like he was like yeah. literally just like a salary cap figure to like make the trade work. Yeah, like he, he was just yeah, hanging he, out at home. He, yeah. He was just there. Yeah. Um, all right. So we, we got that one. Uh, number two, why do you hate Mario Chalmers so much? Ooh. <laughs> all right. Dark days, dark days. All right, so, uh, <laughs> dark days, dark days. So this is 2008. 2008, uh, I'm in eighth grade. I'm in eighth grade in 2008, so I'm, what, 13, 14, however old you are. Yeah, I'm 14. I was born in 94, so yeah. 14, 08. I've been rocking it. So the year prior to that, for seventh grade nationals, we went down to Memphis. We were done, done in Memphis, um, and John Calipari spoke. It was really cool. Penny was there. It was really cool. Shit, so I was like, you know what? If UConn's not good, I'm going to root for Memphis, because... They were mm. they were cool that year. So it was like, cause I'm a I'm a I'm a Huskies fan. So mm -hmm. it's Huskies over everything. But that year it was if the Huskies aren't panning out, then the team I'm gonna roll with was Memphis. Yeah. The next year is the D Rose class. So it's that team is D Rose, CDR, um, Antonio Anderson, Robert Dozier, Joey Dorsey, uh, fucking Robert Tagger. Yeah, they were loaded. That team was really good, like really fucking good. And they played in Conference USA, but they swept the entire season. They had a couple good regular season matchups, but they swept the season. It was like, all right, like I didn't know they were gonna be this good. I, I didn't know I didn't know Derrick Rose yeah. was at the time. I'm just like, I like John Calipari, I'm rocking with y'all. So yeah. they get to the natty. <laughs> they get to the natty and they're playing Kansas and fucking Kansas, you know, wasn't I ain't I didn't really know much about Kansas honestly that year. And yeah. fucking, you know, great game. Memphis is missing free throws. Everything's all good and shit. Derrick Rose misses some more free throws. And then 
the final seconds of regulation happens and the the Sharon Collins. It's crazy because you watch that play. The play was drawn up for Sharon Collins. <laughs> <laughs> the play was drawn up for Sharon Collins. So I'm like, all right, like we we cut off Sharon Collins. We're good. Then he pitches it to Mario. Mario takes a dribble and Mario takes a shot. Mario hits that fucking shot. And I'm like, fuck. I had made mad bets at school prior to this, talking mad shit about Memphis, saying, oh, yeah, they went undefeated. They about to win. I'm betting mad money I don't have. Like, mad money I don't have as an eighth grader. Oh, no. Mad money I don't have. And so it goes to OT. And it's crazy. I remember I'm watching it upstairs in my bedroom. And I hear my dad downstairs yell, oh, he was rooting for Kansas. Why? I don't fucking know. I think just to root against me. So he yells, oh, and I'm like, no. So shit goes to OT. And we just can't get over the hump of OT. Kansas wins the national title. And since that day, I fucking hated Mario Chalmers because he made me owe kids mad money that I didn't have. And they didn't let me live that down. So I went to a, my eighth grade year. I was living in North Providence, which is predominantly white. And I ain't had the money that I owed these white kids. So. It kind of hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's why it's fuck Mario Chalmers. All right, that's yeah, uh, that's reasonable. It. I get that. Um, uh, you can hoop in one place in the entire world. Where? I could hoop in one place. Uh, Madison Square Garden. Okay. All right. Madison Square Garden. Easy enough. Uh, yeah. most random hoop reference in a rap song you can think of. Uh, most random hoop reference. Uh, oof. What's the first one? Like, damn, I'm not giving Jada Kiss flowers anymore. So I'm not going to say this Jada Kiss reference that came to my head. But, um, oh, Lloyd Banks. That's more foreign shooters than the Sacramento Kings. Oh, okay. That's more like foreign that. shooters than the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, Lloyd Banks you know, said that. You know what mine is? Mine is uh, is from Breathe In, Breathe Out by Ali and the St. Lunatics. Mm-hmm. Right now, I hope you with me. I'm a wizard like Chris Whitney. Chris Whitney. Yeah, a Chris a Chris Whitney reference in a rap Ooh. song. Actually, I could think of some pretty random fucking references. Have you ever heard any riff rap songs? No, I actually haven't. Riff rap is known for making terrible. Oh, first and foremost, he's not a good rapper. Second of all, <laughs> he's known for making crazy sports references like. I don't know what he said. I think he said, he said, Raph Riff, I'm the rap game Stroh Miles Slips. Oh, wow. Crazy. I like that. Wow. Stroh Miles Slips. Yeah. So now Riff Raff got the craziest one. Go just listen to, click any random Riff Raff song. I'm pretty sure you'll hear a crazy sports reference of some shit that don't make sense. He also said he could have played for the Dallas Mavericks, but they found crack in his jacket. <laughs> what the fuck? That's impeccable. <laughs> yeah. That's impeccable. Wow. Yeah, go uh, look up one of his freestyles once you get off your hands. Just you'll be amazed by the fuckery that comes out that man's mouth. You know what? I'm gonna do it. I, I got two more for you, and then I'll let you go. Uh, uh dream one-on-one matchup. Dream one-on-one matchup. Me and Mario Chalmers. All right. All right. Set Easy enough. Someone set that up. Me and Mario Chalmers. Put we his wife a lot on the of, line. We've covered a lot of stuff. Probably the only podcast ever to mention Suge Knight, Martha Stewart, and Mario Chalmers in the same hour. Yeah, no one's mentioning Suge Knight, Martha Stewart, and Mario Chalmers other than me. No one else is doing that. I guarantee no one can, can bring all of that together in one conversation. No one. All right, my, my last question for you, MJ. I, I, get, I put you in a warehouse, and every single retro jersey 
in NBA history is available to you? Which oh one are you picking? Oh, my God. Fuck. This might be your hardest question of the night. Wow. All right. There we go. I think I might be on to something. We're cooking with Fuck. grease here, baby. Because I got to think about a jersey that I never got to have. Because mm. that's what it all is. Today, when I buy sneakers, it's what sneakers could I not have as a kid? But with jerseys, it's like what throwback did I want back in the day that I never got? Mm. Um, fuck. I got to pick one. I'm going to go the old school. I'm going to... I'm going to Charles Three Row Golden State Warriors with the with the actual warrior on the jersey. Oh wow, that's a I, good one. I love the Warriors jersey with the warrior with like the lightning bolt on the jersey. That yeah. one is crazy. I, I think that jersey's crazy. I only say that because I've had a like a Raptors with the pinstripes or like the even like the AI like the baby like the blue alternate. I had that. So it's mm. like there's a bunch of jerseys that I had that either grew out of or got rid of or moving or whatever. So it's like, if I did what I didn't have or what I was just too late to get, I never got that uh that fucking the Golden State Warriors with the lightning bolt. So if I could get if I could find one of those or anyone sees one of those on eBay and like a, a 48 or a 52 and a champ, let me know. I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> All right. Um well well good man. I that that's awesome. This has been great. I appreciate you taking some time out of your uh out of your day to, to spend it with me, dude. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on, brother. No, nah, it was a great time. I appreciate you having me. Anything for you. Let me know when you need me back. I'll be I'll be back. All right, perfect, man. Well, uh, where where can uh where can the listeners find you if they want to follow you on uh, Twitter and Instagram? Well, follow me on Instagram. It's the real Mike Neal at the real Mike Neal. Um, Phil, uh, D T H E real R E A L Mike M I K E Neal N E A L. Uh, Twitter underscore Quattro Cinco. Quattro spelled like, you know, how you spell Quattro. If you Spanish, Cinco, how you spell Cinco, like Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, and definitely keep subscribing to the podcast. And yeah, hopefully y'all see me on here again. Hell yeah, man. Love to have you back whenever you can make it. Uh, follow follow the pod, uh, HCTV pod on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you uh, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share it. And, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. MJ, great to have you. Go hang out with your uh, your pals there. All right? Got you. Appreciate you always. Love yeah. you. Love you, man. Have a good one, brother. You as well.